0: Activist Sharon Salam speaks out for WBAI. We should be moving forward, collecting the funds that we need to make sure that our station is whole and that it can do its job as it has done for me in the past. When all of this stuff happened to me many, many years ago in 1989, I didn't get very many opportunities to speak out in regards to the wrong that was done to my son and the other boys in the Central Park Jogger case, as it was called at that time. Very few people stepped up, yes, Like It Is was there, WBAI was there, and a few others, majority of those stations that let people like myself speak and tell them what was going on on the other side those stations are gone if we lose WBAI where do we go to get our words out where do we go if you've been arrested unjustly where do you go if someone's taken your children unfairly where do you go to seek justice we must keep this station alive alive WBAI this is listener sponsored local Control WBAI New York
1: and the previous program was economic update with Professor Richard Wolfheard Wednesdays at 6.30pm here on WBAI stay tuned for off the hook coming up and again if you consider if you haven't you know if you consider supporting this radio station and haven't done it yet well This is a great opportunity opportunity than any to do it now. 212-209-2950 or go to give to WBAI.org online, and you'll be glad you did. As I've mentioned before, WBAI is now 63 years being part of the Pacifica Radio Network, part of the Pacifica Foundation, and it's because of people like yourself made it happen. Now stay tuned for Off the Hook coming up.
0: Due to telephone company facility trouble in the area you are calling, your call cannot be completed at this time. Please try your call later. 078P. We're sorry. The number you have reached, 99.5 WBAI, is now off the hook.
2: The telephone keeps ringing, so I ripped it off the wall. I cut myself while shaving, now I can't make.
3: A very good evening to everybody. the program is Off the Hook. Emmanuel Goldstein here with you on this Wednesday evening, joined tonight by Kyle.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm right here.
3: And uh, out there in Skypeland, I see uh, Rob T. Firefly. Good evening. And um, Arseny, you're joining us again.
2: Yes, hello.
3: Arseny, uh, you may remember from many years ago, used to be one of the co-hosts of this particular program. Um, and in fact, uh, you've just flown in from London, I believe.
5: Yes, yes.
3: You didn't have to do that. You know, you could have been on the show from London. You didn't have to fly all the way back here just to be on the show. Here in person. Okay. Um, and uh, we also have a special guest. Uh, Lorax is joining us from uh, a Distributed Denial of uh, Secrets, one of our favorite organizations. Greeting, Lorax.
6: Hi. For
3: having me on, Uh, we're going to get to a very big story involving uh, you folks uh, in in just a moment. But first, we're going to just go through some of the things that have happened uh, over the past week. It's it's kind of our usual hodgepodge of um, smart things and stupid things. So we'll try and race through this as as quickly as possible. Um, Okay. um, Oh, by the way, Rob, uh, Gila's not here. So is she coming? She
7: she is not. She is on her way. She is caught in the wonderful weather out there, and uh, so. She'll be here at some point.
3: Okay. And I should also point out, Alex is currently on a plane from London to here. But his plane, unlike Arseny's plane, is getting here after the show. <laughs> and if you remember, the last time we tried to talk to Alex on a plane did not go well. We're not even going to try to do that again. I don't know what's going on in London or why everybody's in such a rush to get back here, but um, whatever.
5: Well, in any case, I, I'll be very happy to provide very bad legal advice. Okay, that's fine.
3: Stead. That's, you know, that's 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 great. Um yeah, so now um speaking of um of um uh, degrees and 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 accomplishments and things like that. MBA, Master's of Business Administration. That's quite an achievement, don't you think? It's it's something that a lot of people strive for and they they work hard, they study. And a damn chat GPT uh GPT <laughs> Chat GPT uh passed an MBA exam given by a Wharton professor. Yeah. Um, Professor Christian Tiewicz, uh who authored the research paper, would chat Gpt three get a Wharton MBA a prediction based on its performance in the operations management course, um, said that the bot scored between a B minus and a B on the exam. Uh, the bot score shows its remarkable ability to automate some of the skills of highly compensated knowledge workers in general. And specifically, the knowledge workers in the jobs held by MBA graduates, including analysts, managers, and consultants. Uh, The bot did an amazing job at basic operations management and process analysis questions, including those that are based on case studies. Uh, as you recall, we were playing with this last week on the air. We were writing poems and songs and even film screenplays. And it was, it it wasn't doing badly. I have to say, it's a little frightening, um, how on the mark this can, this can be sometimes. But there's all kinds of, um, concern over how this could be, um, taking over our lives in one way or another. Certainly Google is concerned because it it, it might do a better job of searching online than, than Google does, and they haven't had competition in a very long time. Um, experts uh, who work in both artificial intelligence and education have acknowledged that bots like Chat ChatGPT um, could be, I keep saying it wrong, GPT, yes, I said it right, okay, they need a better name. Uh, It it could be a detriment to education in the future. In recent interviews, some educators and experts say they are not yet concerned, but they expect to be concerned really, really soon. There's a student in Princeton who has written an app, and we we believe he's human. We're not sure yet. hasn't really been verified, but uh, supposedly this human student has built an app that helps detect whether a text was written by a human being or using artificial intelligence tool chat GPT. Of course, that's exactly the kind of thing that ChatGPT would do uh, to uh, fool us. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm a bit wary here.
4: And what's stopping ChatGPT from using that app on itself, on its own stuff, to, like, improve it?
3: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It could it could use the work that Edward Tian, which is the human name that's being used here, um, uh, devoted all this time to. He said in a recent tweet, Uh, that the algorithm behind his app called gpt0 can quickly and efficiently detect whether an essay is chat gpt or human written Uh, as you know it's exploded in popularity recently for its ability to spit out coherent essays on virtually any topic in just seconds Um, you know fun projects I, i think this is what um uh what we need to be doing just you know create as much mischief as possible i had it uh, write an essay on uh, george santos now keep in mind this thing uh, only goes up to 20, 2019 is it is that where the where it's knowledge base I cuts off it was 2021 it might be 2021 uh, okay but that's still before we all found out the truth about George Santos. So this thing read back this this um, uh, essay that you know, the current George Santos could have written. It was full of praise, and this guy will make a great congressman, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, all the, his accomplishments. So that was a bit of fun. Um, and there's, there's there's no limit to the other kinds of things that um, that you can do with this to um, to create mischief and mayhem. I was thinking of um, taking a controversial subject, um, let's say something like nuclear power and writing a letter to a local newspaper in favor of it and then writing another letter opposed to it, both written by the bot and both getting published, I'll bet. That
4: would be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, Just we... side-by-side <laughs> side, uh, alone. We
3: don't need humans anymore, Contrasting
4: Contrasting the, uh, the arguments. <sighs> yes, go ahead, Rob. This, this, this business about ChatGPT
7: Ch- uh, earning an MBA – um it's uh very entertaining i'm wondering how long it is until we have to call it dr chat gpt but um this also uh talks to a lot of teachers are talking about completely revamping how they teach subjects in high school in college um to specifically avoid the pitfalls of being prone to uh chat gpt being used to to cheat and so this uh this This is a funny story about the bot, but it's also kind of a funny story about the requirements to earn an MBA by uh, from Wharton. So um, they're gonna they're gonna have to reconsider how they hand these things out. Yeah, I guess I have a business
5: degree, by the way, and you know it's not rocket science.
7: Well,
3: uh, yeah, I guess not. Um, And uh, you're gonna have some competition in the very near future, I would say, from (laughs) machines.
7: Right, Gila is actually uh, listening to the show right now and uh, texting me from uh, parts unknown. She says she would love to watch Chat Chat GPT have to defend its dissertation.
3: Yeah, you know, you could um, uh, you could write songs in the style of particular bands, and artists, and things like that. You can you can make arguments based on the logic of certain people. You could recreate debates, presidential debates between different candidates. All sorts of uh, interesting things like that. I'm I'm thinking of all the fun applications. We'll get to all the dire applications and and how this can really be used to hurt us. Uh, But I think um, staying away from it, as many people have suggested, is not the right thing to do because you have to plunge into the danger and see just what exactly it's capable of before you can figure out a way to get past it. And um, that's that's what we're all about here on this show. Um, Okay, another technology that's been in the news lately is facial recognition, as you know. Um, if uh, you have upset uh, the people at Madison Square Garden in any way, they will keep you out of <laughs> various venues that they own. Uh, local elected officials are now cry- uh, crying foul on Madison Square Garden's ban on certain lawyers and the use of facial recognition technician uh, technology to impose it. Um, Manhattan State Senator Brad Hoylman Sigal and uh, a bunch of other politicians Uh, gathered outside Madison Square Garden on Sunday to demand its controversial CEO, James Dolan, end the practices. Over the last six months, we've seen extraordinary, courageous, and alarming use of biometric technology, said Hoyman Segal. Um, Obviously, there's a pattern here. There's a pattern of James Dolan punishing who he views as his corporate adversaries. And the thing about this story is... um, These are not people who are criminals. These are not people who are a danger or a threat to uh, the operations of Madison Square Garden or any other venue. These are people that work for the same company that is involved in a lawsuit against Madison Square Garden Enterprises or or one of his companies. And uh, it it just shows you how easy it is to misuse this technology in a way that can really hurt people, hurt innocent people who are just there to see a game or a concert or, 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 or something like that. Um, so it's interesting to see uh, politicians getting involved. New York Daily News, look at this, they printed a big picture of James Dolan, so if um, if you want to take his face and ban him from your events, I, I guess you can do that. Uh, we are, well, we don't use facial techni- uh, technology at uh, Hope, do we? Maybe it's worth it just so we can ban him. You know? What do you think?
4: Certainly possible. Yeah. Uh, uh, creative ways uh, people can uh, retaliate mm-hmm. with the same atti- uh, same kind of attitude.
3: Yeah, I, I've never had the chance to play with facial technology. Uh, you know, facial recognition technology. It, it's it's something that uh, I, you know, I'd like to mess around with a little bit.
7: Yeah. I mean, wasn't it at the uh, second hope conference that everyone was wearing masks of Kevin Mitnick? Uh, so,
3: that was the uh, first hope conference. That was 1994. We were doing that. Yeah, that was, uh, I was that confused that. a lot of people. But we didn't have facial recognition technology. Go ahead, Arseny.
5: Yeah, I mean. Are are there consents when you go to like a sporting event or a concert or or whatever that they can use your face to as a way to you know verify you or something? Well,
3: there might be a sign at the door that says, "By going through this door, you're agreeing that facial recognition technology will be looking at your face." And I don't know many people who would turn around and say, "Yeah, I'm just going to give up my ticket now because of that." Uh, but the point is, if 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 you do go through that door and they, for whatever reason, decide they don't like you. Um, they can uh, they can kick you out, and that it just seems like I a had real a abuse. big. Uh,
5: I had a big fright uh, when I came into the country, not not today, but uh, last time, where I, I I was a Global Entry member, but I wasn't in, 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 in expired. But I, I went to the machine to check, you know, was it working or not? Um, and you go up to the machine. Mm-hmm. So Global Entry allows you to, to to get through customs very quickly just by putting your passport in, um, and I'd given them my fingerprints before, but I'd never given my face. They have my picture, but it, you know it was just a picture. Uh-huh. in any case, you come up to the machine, and it scanned my face, and immediately immediately just knew everything about me, wow. and said, "Hey, your your membership expired." So, <laughs> so why why did I still <laughs> remember my face if if it expired?
3: Why wasn't your fingerprint enough?
5: I, I mean, but usually you would have to put your fingerprint in the machine, uh-huh. but now it just takes a picture. You know, it just the, the webcam is always on and it's and it's reading you, and it's frightening because I've never given a biometric kind of face scan it's just it's taken my picture enough times that it can recognize
3: me And it could probably do that without you going right up to the machine too i'll bet it can get you in a crowd wow that's, that's true. That, that is that is frightening um okay over to the uh inevitable department um t-mobile got hacked 37 million customers had their data stolen back in november uh, T-Mobile said a bad actor. You think? A bad actor? This wasn't somebody who was just uh, out to uh, do good and, and, and spread the knowledge about 37 million people?
4: you are doing a favor. Mm.
3: Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, th- 37 million current customers uh, were victims of a November data breach. Um, regulatory filing last Thursday. That's when the company said the hacker stole customer data. Uh, that included names, billing addresses, emails, phone numbers, dates of birth. Uh, why does he need all this information in the first place? You know, I've been asking this question ever, ever since they started, uh, or since they were Omnipoint. Why do you need all this information? And um, many times you can give them fake information and still have an account. That's it's it's not impossible, but it's more and more difficult. So social security number you know dates of birth no they 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 don't need all that they really don't but yet they insist on 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 getting it all from you uh anyway the information um can easily be compiled with other stolen or publicly available information used by scammers to steal people's identities or steal money and of course t-mobile says working with law enforcement i don't know what they're going to do at this point They've begun to notify customers whose information may have been breached and i'll bet I'll just bet when they notify these customers they're going to offer them a free period of enrollment in a program that monitors their credit report and they can sign up and pay for it after that that period of time has ended It, it almost seems like a promotion you know when they when people get hacked and um, or, or have their identity stolen that that entitles you to a free year or or, or eighteen months of um of this service. Anyway, the the wireless carrier did not indicate what it might do to remedy the situation. Of course not. Uh, It noted it could be on the hook for significant expenses because of the hack, Uh, although the company said it doesn't expect the charges will have a material effect on T-Mobile's bottom line. Um, They hired an external cybersecurity team to investigate after they found out about this. Uh, They were able to discover the source of the breach and stop it a day after it was discovered. The company says it continues to investigate the breach but believes... It is fully contained. Protecting our customers' data remains a top priority. and we see that <laughs> top priority gets us. Um, okay, over to some um, some of the smarter news appliance makers uh, whirlpool LG um, they're a bit baffled by this. Uh, they added Wi-Fi to all their dishwashers and ovens and refrigerators. They made apps. But only fifty percent or less of their owners have connected to wi fi and 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 they don't understand why aren't people connecting the dishwashers and their their ovens and their refrigerators to the internet and apparently most people don't think that's a good idea. Most people must be listening to us, so that's great. Don't connect your damn refrigerator to to the internet. What do you need to do that for? You know that's yeah sure there, there might be an instance where you're you know delayed on a train and you want to um, uh, uh, turn something down a little bit or you can just be a little bit inconvenienced and not have the refrigerator be the gateway to people hacking your entire home network because uh, oftentimes these devices have default passwords that people don't change and um, it's just all kinds of security holes as a result anyone here ever um, put their refrigerator on the internet? Or their oven or their dishwasher
5: I mean like I, I I'm always thinking about this i I got into uh the those uh automatic vacuum robots that that vacuum and and I can right now I can go on my phone and turn on my vacuum cleaner in Russia why but would you want to years, do that want <laughs> you I've always turned it on when I'm in the house uh-huh you know uh-huh. which actually kind of defeats the purpose of having it do it by you know having all that um <laughs> But I, you know, thinking a lot about why the the, the circuits for, for these these kind of small Wi-Fi uh, connections, they're they're really small. They you know they're, they're not they don't take up a lot of energy, and it is easier to connect to the device if you need to for some reason, you know, for whatever reason you'd need to connect to your dishwasher. Um, and a, a great reason would be for diagnostics. If it's broken, um, would be easy to connect to it. But I don't think that's that's what they're doing.
3: I'm just happy that so many people aren't doing this. You know, we, we, we talk about things like this week after week, and it just seems sometimes like people are just following blindly uh, into the world of high tech without asking questions and, and, you know, buying the same thing over and over again because it's built in obsolescence. But in this particular case, I think people are doing the right thing by not adding these things to their network. There's no reason to do that. And, um Hopefully, that's a trend that continues. Okay, so we're going to dive right back down into the stupid again. Uh, Every so often, you you, you see a headline where you just are so disgusted by it. You don't want to continue reading, but we have to. It's our job. The lights have been on at a Massachusetts school for over a year because no one can turn them off. (laughs) How do you continue reading a story like this? Well, let's see what happens. Yeah, for nearly a year and a half, a Massachusetts high school has been lit up around the clock because the district can't turn off the roughly 7,000 lights in the sprawling building. The lighting system was installed at Minichug Regional High School when it was built over a decade ago and was intended to save money and energy. But ever since the software that runs it failed on August 24th, 2021, the lights in the Springfield Suburbs School have been on continuously, Costing taxpayers a small fortune. We are very much aware this is costing taxpayers a significant amount of money, said the assistant superintendent of finance. How does that person still have a job at the uh, Hampton Wilbraham Regional School District? And we've been doing everything we can to get the problem solved. Have you? Really? Because, you know, I feel like the guy in War Games who just, you know, says, can't you just unplug the damn thing? (laughs) It's insane. How can you design a system that you can't bypass that literally keeps lights on. And there is no way for you to figure out how to just turn the power off. Hey, you know, talk to the electric company. Maybe they can just turn all the power off and then reset the thing somehow. There's got to be a way, but this is insane.
4: Well, I think it has something to do uh, along the lines of what Arsene was saying with that um, integration to the, the uh, systems that are in, in, inconvenient, sort of hard-to-get-to places that, um, by having this, it allows you to do things remotely without having to send someone in- into uh, a-, a machine room somewhere. There this lights,
3: a light switch, you know, the easiest thing it in may the But
4: it may have been, like, reliant on something that was just unaccessible and broken, and, and they would have had nothing were it, were it uh, bypassed.
3: I'm all in favor of convenience. I'm all in favor of, of gizmos and, and uh, you know, the, the, the modern things of, of, of the day. Uh, but you always need a way to get around it if and when it fails. It always fails. It always will fail one way or another. But these people, they installed a system that there's no way around. It failed, and they're screwed. And, and, and they're, they're making the taxpayers of the area pay for their stupidity. I really don't think they should be held accountable for this. This is something that was a really, really bad decision, and those kinds of bad decisions sh- should be um,
7: held accountable. Rob, and uh, welcome Gila. I see you made it. Thank you. Yeah, Um I, I, am, uh, I am heartened by the uh, hacker spirit evident in the staff of this high school because uh, this news story on NBC uh, talking about this mentions that when the teachers have to do things like show a film or project something onto their whiteboard, they've figured out that they can reach up into the sockets and unscrew the light bulbs manually in order to darken the room.
3: That's, that's being credited to hackers, like literally knowing how to unscrew a light bulb? Okay, you know well, what? How many
7: teachers does it take?
3: You know, with, 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 with all the bad press we get, I guess we can take that. <laughs> yeah, we do know how to unscrew a light bulb. We can, we can manage that.
4: We well, have to stay on task. You have to get, get uh, accomplish what you're there for uh, completed, so by any means. Wow.
3: Arsene, uh, we, we didn't point out that uh, you normally live in Russia. And well, this, not anymore. Uh, not anymore. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Fortunately, yes. Uh, but when you were there, this kind of thing
5: wouldn't happen, Right. I mean uh it's interesting. <laughs> I think these problems are are just you know universal stupidity is universal.
3: True, but keeping the lights on period is a challenge in, in many parts of the world. I don't I don't think they'd be so quick to jump into this, you know, super quote unquote modern efficient way of doing it. Uh
5: the smart home thing is is getting out of hand everywhere.
3: Uh-huh. Um and but this is not a smart home. This is a stupid be, school. This is a this stupid, is a stupid school. design. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's just wrong. Okay, and now um, for the ultimate, we're going to go into something that we always knew was going to happen at some point. We always knew at, at at one point in history or another, the no-fly list would be compromised, and that is exactly what has happened. And that is why Lorax from uh, Distributed Denial of Secrets is is joining us tonight. And Lorax, maybe um, you're, you're the best person to simply tell us what happened. There's a story in the Daily Dot that really does a good job of um, of, of describing it. But um, uh, you guys are on top of all of these um, um, security breaches and leaks and, and, and embarrassments. But this one, I mean, we're talking, I think, over a million names of people. And, and we're talking, you know. Some of them are legitimate terrorist types. Uh and, and, and some of them are eight year olds. There's all kinds of variety here, but um can you tell
6: us how this how this happened? Uh, can you hear me? Yes, we hear you fine. Great. Um yeah, so the Daily Dot was the first outlet that reported it. Um and it was a small regional airline from Ohio that I think is part of United um, commuter service called Commute Air, and the security researcher was browsing Jenkins servers on Chinese shodan, which I guess is called Zumai, and came across some keywords that made her think that this was an aviation-related entity. And eventually they found the no-fly list. Um, Maya Arson Crime was the hacker who reported this breach. And the Daily Dot also, uh, wasn't, was checking the data set pretty early. I think that they were, um, collaborating before that story came out. So, yeah, um, there were more than, a million and a half lines on the Excel spreadsheet for the no-fly list. There are two parts of this data set. There's the nofly.csv and then there's the selectees.csv which is a smaller list of names um, of people who aren't necessarily banned from flying but they are selected for increased screening Um, and it's sort of up to the discretion of the TSA agent on duty whether they can fly or not that day.
3: So the file is actually called nofly.csv. It's not like they were trying to make it uh, at all um, um, hard to find.
6: Um, Yeah, I mean, this is a small airline, and uh, it sounds like this server was something that they were using for testing uh, purposes. The original People who found the leak they didn't know when the list was dated from, but before the first Daily Dot piece came out, the airline issued a statement saying that it was from 2019. So it wasn't um, the most up to date list of the like names on the no-fly list, but it was a genuine list from snapshot from 2019, which is pretty recent.
3: Mm -hmm. That is incredible. Uh, what has been the response so far from the airline industry from from governments around the world at having this um, this information just made public
6: I guess Well, it hasn't been made public in that the researcher has restricted access to the data set. Uh, I think that Maya replied to maybe a few hundred requests for the data, and DDA Secrets has a bigger archive of data sets, and we have this category called limited distribution, where we routinely put data sets in this category that are um, for requests from researchers. So it's not that the list is public, anybody can search for it or find it yet, it's restricted to people who have published research in the past gotcha. and who can be genuine like generally considered that they won't um leak the full data set because we think that it would be it, it would cause more discrimination of the people who are perhaps on this list than they've already been through just by being put on the list um it's like a There's no due process. There's often no way to get yourself off the list. There are names on the list of people who've been dead for years. As you mentioned, there's children on the list. So um, both Maya and DDoS Secrets think that uh, for harm reduction, it's best if we don't publish the full list.
3: Absolutely, yeah, and that's extremely responsible. I just worry, you know, if, if somebody had gotten to this first before that researcher was able to find this, uh, then that list would indeed be public or, or, or even worse, just given to uh, certain people who really shouldn't have it uh, and, and used for nefarious purposes. Um, but has has there been um, um, any kind of um, a pushback from from other organizations or governments, the fact that you have
6: access to it at all? Um, not Nothing official. I mean, I heard that there was a Republican Congress person who wants to launch an investigation. It might be an investigation of the airline for leaving this sort of data on the open web. It might be um, shooting the messenger, which often happens with um, hacking cases where they go after the security researcher who found the vulnerability. Um, we don't know, but it could also just be looking into the fact that there is this um, ballooning no-fly list. Uh, the names, I think the number of names, the amount of names on it should be surprising because previous reports of the no-fly list have listed things like uh, 81,000 was reported in 2018. In 2011, I think it was 16,000 people who are on the list. Um, but if there's a million and a half rows, some of them are duplicates, but one can assume that there's like more than 100,000 names on this list now.
3: Yeah, it mentions that um, the recently uh, freed Russian arms dealer, uh, Victor Bout, um, he had over 16 potential aliases as well. But uh, that's that's probably an exception. And even if you divide this in half, that's still 500,000 names. That's a lot of names of people who, who can't fly. What does it mean if you show up on this list? You're just barred from getting on a plane, period, no questions asked?
6: Well, I think it is the U.S. no-fly list. So I don't know um, mm-hmm. how far outside the U.S. that sort of ban would travel i mean the faa controls a lot of air um rules around the world Mm -hmm. but it is specifically a u.s no-fly list so yeah i i don't know the answer to that question i think that Mm -hmm. it would depend like you said like the victor bout was on the list uh, more than a dozen times. That was unusual. Mm-hmm. A lot of the names only have like four or five variations. Uh, some of the names are only on there once, so they're not all duplicated to that to that um, extent. But I I do think that they have problems with Cyrillic alphabets in the U.S. No-fly
3: list. I was going to ask, how do other alphabets and and languages uh, get translated? One thing that the researcher said, um, it's just crazy to me how big that terrorism screening database is. And yet there is still very clear trends towards almost exclusively Arabic and Russian-sounding names throughout the million entries. Uh, And that's something that uh, is definitely cause for concern. I just wonder how many innocent people are caught up in that.
6: Yeah, I mean, like, some of the names on the list were children who were four, eight years old, or seven years old, um, who one would assume have not committed any terrorism uh, at that age, and they're just related to someone who was on the no-fly list. Uh, So there's names like that that are totally just attempts at predictive policing or... Something like that. And then there's a lot of dead people on the list as well. Um, Osama bin Laden is on there a few times. uh, He is. Wow. So, okay, so what kind of information do they give for Osama bin Laden, the
3: home address? Well, they didn't have the home address, right? That's the whole point. Well, the
6: list is redacted um, and only includes name and date of birth. So there are other columns that have been redacted either by the airline or by um, someone else before. Uh, so the list just includes the name and then the date of birth.
3: So why would it be redacted if it was being used to um, uh, to basically keep these people off planes? Uh,
6: I don't know. I don't know how the list was used in the testing environment that Commute Air had mm-hmm. um, left it open on the Internet. Yeah, you know yeah.
3: that—that's something I can't wrap my head around. They're using it for testing purposes. Why not use a testing file? Why, why use the real file with real information in it? it just seems like a really bad idea.
5: I mean, that's—that's that's the thing. It's like this was on Jenkins server. The list was old, right? It's from 2019, um, and then the format CSV, I think, has a t- would have a lot of trouble with like you know, those alphabets we mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the question is like, you know, shouldn't there be, I mean, this information is pretty sensitive. Shouldn't there be, you know, enforced rules on on how how it's used by the airlines?
3: One would think. But again, we see this time and time again where these rules, if they even exist, just are ignored or bypassed.
7: when it when it comes to use of uh, p i i like this um a lot of organizations um who have a testing environment set up like from a technical standpoint, it's the easy way out to just take a snapshot of the real data move it into the testing environment, and do what playing with it you have to um to come up with new data would be would take work and it would be too much like work and even when it's like ultra sensitive p i i and uh newsmaking stuff like the no-fly list, um, I think the temptation had to be there to to just uh, use what they had rather than um, do basically do things basically the safe way.
3: Yeah. and For the benefit of listeners, uh, we've mentioned uh, Jenkins and uh, Shodan. Does anyone uh, want to give an explanation as to what those are uh, just so people have a better sense as to how this data exists and how it was compromised?
4: Well... I don't know. Shodan is a search engine of sorts for uh, things that are open and online. I, I don't know much more about it. Can someone else elaborate on how these tools were used or?
5: No. <laughs> I so I
4: can
5: talk about Jenkins. I mean, it's, it's, okay. it's a, it's a way to process build. So if you're, you know, if you are working on software, that's not, you know, released, um, it's still internal. Um, you, you would use a software like Jenkins to uh, deploy it or move move it down the pipeline.
3: Okay. And uh, Shodan, as Kyle said, is, is, is used to uh, uh, to find these find things like video cameras and. Uh, uh, That's what I thought it was. I don't know Internet what of form things.
5: it is. If yeah. program. Is it compatible with washing machines? <laughs> you would find it, washing it, probably, machines. it
7: probably can be because it basically exists to find the kind of servers that Internet tech, uh, connected devices of various types um, would have on the Internet. Um, so just various things that are connected up and uh, making their presence known. Shodan finds them and uh, you can search them.
3: So that's what this researcher was doing. And I imagine researchers are doing this constantly. Is, is that is that right, Lorax? Uh
6: Yeah, I think that step one, boredom. Like so many of my other hacks, this story starts with me being bored and browsing Shodan. Well, technically it was Zumai, which is the Chinese um, Shodan, looking for exposed Jenkins servers, which I think uh, Maya has done before and successfully found uh-huh. source code, um, which was the theme and One of the main leaks that they used to put out on their Telegram channel was like source code um, that was exposed in these sorts of testing environments. Uh, So this was very much within the theme of how Maya usually works. So Um,
3: when something is found, what is generally the next step after that?
6: uh, I think it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. We at DDoS Secrets hear from a lot of sources who have a higher than average curiosity for what is out there and what can be discovered Uh, I know that Maya has been criticized for basically like not reporting this directly to the company and leaving everyone else out I think Maya did report it to the company and the company um, fixed it before the news report came out. But Maya also involves journalists and communicates to the public when these sorts of things happen, which a lot of uh, security researchers criticize it for. But, yeah, so it really depends on the person. We at Data Secrets um, frequently hear from sources who find data that they think needs to Make it out to the public.
3: Now, when someone contacts you, um, you generally um, are, are very responsible with the data that is shared. Uh, as as you mentioned before, uh, only researchers or, or certain journalists are even allowed to um, uh, to view something of this nature, uh, rather than just posting it online somewhere where anybody could just you know download it and 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 use it for all sorts of nefarious purposes. Um, do you get any any pushback? Uh, to, to that policy?
6: Yeah, all the time um, people who wish that they had access to our limited distribution data sets are like, challenging our decision to keep something on the sort of redacted stream, but um, yeah, we basically don't have the staff to redact the, the PAI from everything that we archive and we do publish a lot publicly. There are a lot of data sets that don't consist of mainly like PII for people who are unrelated to um, like the public interest. Um, If it's data of politicians and like corporations, then that's different than if it's like a database of all of the citizens from a given jurisdiction and their like ID numbers and their addresses, um, so we we get pushback on both sides. I think from people who wish that we published more like torrents and public access data sets, and also from people who like d- don't think that we should archive hacked data at all. Uh huh. Well, if if you
3: if you're uh, annoying people on both sides, you're probably doing something right. So that's uh, that, that, that's a good thing, but how do you compare yourself to uh, other organizations such as uh, WikiLeaks in the past when they would simply um, uh, publish all this information? I, I guess that's probably the difference right there, is they would publish a lot of this and not um, not restrict access in many occasions. At times they did, but they've been criticized for not doing that, and uh, that's what DDoS Secret seems to do differently.
6: Yeah, I don't think that WikiLeaks had a category for, like, reserved data sets, different reasons. They've also, like, published less stuff and added less stuff to their archive over the years, like, volume. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we have... I mean, there are a lot of differences. I think that Data Secrets tries to be less centralized around one person. We try to have, like, multiple people doing multiple things so that... If one person um, gets locked up or disappears, then the work wouldn't necessarily stop. Uh, we have a nonprofit in the United States, which I don't think that WikiLeaks has officially a nonprofit. I think that they're registered as a for-profit corporation in Iceland. And then they have like some nonprofits in Germany that process donations for them. Um, but they're not necessarily reporting their own finances in the way that we are um, to yeah. the IRS. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of differences between us. Yeah. yeah. I, I do think that because WikiLeaks um, d- doesn't publish or doesn't archive stuff in a reserved way, they've had to make different decisions about stuff that they put out there. Um so it's working for us so far although this week with the amount of requests for the no fly list it has the system sort of like slows down when you're just humans processing these requests I, I can yeah. imagine
3: now ha- have you been targeted uh, by by any kind of agency or or threatened with all sorts of uh, legal
6: action uh in the past we have lost A server to a law enforcement seizure in Germany. This was in um, 2020 Uh I believe. 2020. Blue Leaks. You covered it at the time, but we published um, more than 250 gigabytes of data from U.S. law enforcement fusion centers and training facilities and they got one of our public distribution servers taken offline that was in Germany. Uh, We did lose some data, some indexed data and like, a search engine at the time, so that was pretty annoying. Uh, But recently we haven't had any, um, like, new letters or Mm -hmm. indications that the no-fly list in particular has um, pissed anybody off.
3: Uh Uh-huh. Wow. Now, how can people reach you if they if they find themselves in that particular situation where they've discovered something and and they want someone responsible to be able to um, uh, to guide how or if it's released? How would they how would they make that initial contact?
6: Um, we have an email address submissions at ddosecrets.com. dot com. We also have chat accounts that they can contact if they don't want to put it in an email um, mm-hmm. and talk to us about the data set. We ask that sources contact us after they have a full copy of the data set and not when they're like in the middle of anything because we don't want to be um, you know involved in in anything that happens until like the data is has been reviewed by them um so yeah contact us the contact us details for like what's the most up-to-date way to reach us is on com. and
3: i imagine people can make contributions as well
6: contributions yeah there are oh, a few ways that people can contribute to the project the most helpful way is like seeding the torrents like when we put new data out Download it and leave your connection open so that other people can grab it um, quickly Mm -hmm. and efficiently. Uh, We are also like a registered nonprofit, so people can donate to us and get a tax write-off. Yeah, charity is where we have sort of like a donation page. Okay. Was that what you meant by contribute? Yes, absolutely. Other things that I missed? Yeah.
3: Because uh, this kind of thing is, um, it takes such courage and it takes, you know, such um, uh, fortitude in just uh, continuing day by day to to um, uh, try and um, uh, share this information uh, in, in a responsible way. You know, on that note, um, what kinds of requests have you been getting for the no-fly list? Some of them might be funny. <laughs> you
6: know? Oh, yeah. I mean, because it's sort of made a big splash on tiktok we've been getting a lot of like high school students Uh (laughs) who are really interested in um this like relic from the 2001 era of like a no-fly list uh
8: Uh,
6: so there's there's a there's like a lot of that which i mean i hate to say no to but i also yeah Mm-hmm. I remember myself in high school, and I wasn't necessarily the most responsible researcher. So wow. there's been some of that. There's definitely been, like, intelligence community, like, international intelligence community. I think that the Brazil Secret Service approached Maya and asked for it, and Maya was like, no. Wait, they don't uh, have it already? The, the Secret Service <laughs> of Brazil doesn't have access to this? Uh yeah, I guess that the US has locked down access to this data to certain countries. That sort of does show up in the list. It's like which countries have intelligence sharing mechanisms with the US because those countries would have more names on the list. I know that like Ireland has quite a few like Irish names on the list. Like members of the uh, so.
3: IRA or something.
6: Yeah, um, but there's like a lot of countries on names on there. Um, There was a report from Italy. They found like mobsters and communists from um, what's it called? The Red Brigade. Oh, the Red Brigade.
3: I remember them from the 70s. Wow. Okay. that's um, It's probably a badge of honor for many um, people to be on the list. That that is that is simply incredible. Hey, we're down to our last minute or so. Anybody uh, out in Skype land have any any questions for Lorax before we go for the on air part of the show? No, nothing. Uh, Robert, your lips are moving, but I'm not hearing anything.
7: Um, thanks for just thanks for keeping it going. And uh, yeah, uh, the URL for DDoS Secrets again is D D O S
6: S E C R E T S. No, just one S. Just one S. D D O S.
3: I would get the other domain, too, just in case somebody types that wrong, because I imagine a lot of people do. And can, your your domain still can't be typed on Twitter, right?
6: Correct. You can't put com on Twitter, but you can put charity on Twitter. Oh, okay.
3: Yeah, folks, try it. If you, if you type com on Twitter, uh, your message will not go through. It'll fail. Uh, even private messages. It's the most insane thing. And I don't know of anyone else that that happens to. It's, it's, really, it's really silly, but indicative of the kinds of challenges that you face when, when you're involved in something like this. Um, lorex any, any final words from you, things you want people on uh, listening to the radio to know about?
6: No, I mean, thanks for having me. It's great to chat. I'll stick around for the after show.
3: Great, great. Uh, and that after show, by the way, is called Overtime. It takes place on YouTube on channel 2600. Or you can click on the link that appears at the top of um, the 2600.com web page. And we can take phone calls over there, which we can't do over the radio right now because we're not at the radio station. But hopefully someday we will be again. All right. That's uh, it for this week. We're off next week. And um, as I said, we'll be... On YouTube in just a couple of minutes, 8 o'clock p.m. on channel 2600. Good night. Once again, a reminder, Off the Hook is not on next week. However, there will be 2,600 meetings a week from this coming Friday. So please visit 2600.com meetings to see where your local hacker meeting will be taking place. Again, stay tuned for Overtime over on YouTube and keep listening to WBAI.
8: This is Ralph Pointer. Join me and others every Wednesday, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time on WBAI 99.5 on your radio dial. It would appear the human movement is such that at any moment in history, there are too few that understand possibilities of existence that would benefit all who inhabit this planet and are willing to act on this understanding. This program will feature that few. What are your views on these issues that impact your life today? What are your views on America today? What are your views on America's future? Can we talk? Call in 212-209-2877. Wednesday, 8 to 9 p.m. on WBAI 99.5 on your radio.